Episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 11, Glass for Classics. This week, I caught up with Nathan from Glass for Classics. If you're building a truck at the moment, chances are you're going to need either some new glass, rubbers, or some Bailey channel for the cab. Nathan and Rod have everything you need, so have a listen to this episode and start thinking about what you need, and by the end of the episode, you will know how and when to order it. Now, it hasn't stopped raining down here in Victoria for over a week, so you may hear the calming sounds of rain on a tin roof as I record. I've done my best to minimise it in the edit. I think it might be time to build a sound booth. Here's Nathan. Nathan, thank you for taking the time this morning to chat to us on the podcast. Mate, no worries at all. Glad we could be here. Yeah, so um, we might start just with a bit about you and your background and, and then we'll lead into the business a bit. Uh, tell us if you can remember what, what your first automotive memories are. I can tell you exactly when it was. It would have been about 14 years old going on 15 and we were cruising along down the road and someone had an old FCU uh, for sale. They just had it parked at the side of the road and I remember turning to my old man and just saying, you know, that'd be that'd be cool doing up an old car one day. And he sort of looked at mum, and mum sort of looked at him, and the two of them, oh yeah, all right. And to be honest, we we sort of joke and say that's what set us on our road to poverty. It was it was that point on that we went, you know what? Yep. And and dad says, you know, he didn't have to ask me twice. You know, if I could get a father and son project like that, for sure. You know, we didn't get into classics until a couple of years after that, um, but. It was at that exact point that I went. You know what? I want to do up a classic. I want to. I want to have that. That's something different. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the original what they're calling the car owner virus at the moment. Yeah, mate, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously, just kept on driving the FC. Uh, went on to have another life. What What was the first car you purchased? It was actually an FJ Holden Ute, so I'd have been at the time, jeez, uh, I was in year 11, so I'd have been about 16 or 17 at that point. So we'd gone looking. We wanted something early Holden. Uh, we'd been looking for the FX FJ Holdens, and, and look, this FJ Ute popped up. We drove down to Warhope in New South Wales, and, uh, mate, we knew nothing. And when I say we knew nothing, I mean we knew nothing. We looked at this thing, and it looked immaculate. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, so look, put it on the trailer, towed it back home to the Gold Coast, and uh, mate, it looked awesome. We were so over the moon with it, and then we took it into uh, one of the guys here on the Gold Coast, one of the mechanics or, or early Holden specialists, got him to have a look at it, and he just basically said, mate, you're never going to drive this thing. He put screwdrivers through the chassis rails, and he went, 
if you even have a minor praying in this, this thing's going to fold itself in half. And we later found out, you know, it had three floor pans welded one on top of the other. There was over an inch of bog in the bottom of the sills and over a, oh, between a quarter and a half an inch of bog over the entire car. They, whoever did it was the master of bog because it was gun barrel straight. But yeah, we ended up uh, tearing that one down not long after we got it. And it's, to be honest, uh, probably 16, 17 years later, it's still now sitting in epoxy primer now that it had all the metal work done. But life and business got in the way and we still haven't finished that. I'm 32 now. So, yeah, 16 years have gone by, but we'll get it done one day. Yeah, it launches a passion, doesn't it? You start pulling something apart and, and seeing how things work. And, yeah, yeah, I, I did the same thing to a 53 mainline and, and it never saw the light of day in my ownership, so... It took a, it was a steep learning curve, like it was a vertical learning curve. We were very fortunate that we had a couple of good friends in the industry early in the part that, um, you know, they were happy for us to take the car into their workshop and, and work on it there and pull it down and they were doing bits and pieces. But you reach a point sometimes in a build where you go, my skills are not at that level um, and literally being brand new to this, we really didn't have any fabrication skills or metal skills or anything else. So we were relying solely on other people doing these jobs. And um, I think we reached a point where we went, you know what, we're going to just put this one on the back burner until we're in a position to do it properly um, and not just, you know, slap the thing back together for the sake of it. It's now, to be honest, it probably wouldn't take that long to finish, but one day <laughs> you got to have time. Yeah, and and what was your dad's background at that stage? Like, was he in any way automotive related, or or not at all? No, he was actually a financial planner with Westpac, so and life insurance. So for the last twenty five years or so, leading up to that, he was with the bank in uh, both financial planning and superannuation. So for him, he'd he'd get in, get his knuckles busted up and grease under his nails all weekend and then he'd have to sit there spending two or three hours on a Sunday night scrubbing himself clean so that he could put on his nice clean white white shirt and tie and, and head into Brisbane every day. So very, very different, um, but he loved it. You know, he'd never done it before at all, uh, but he loved what he did. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And sometimes I think, you know, guys like that, they need that outlet so that they're not just constantly... Yeah, I guess cleaning in front of a computer and I, I couldn't even imagine it. I don't think he was ever, you know, I, I think this was a perfect outlet to, to escape that day-to-day -day routine for him. And uh, as I said, I mean, a father and son project, I didn't have to ask twice, he jumped at it. So uh, it was a good opportunity for the two of us to be together and do that together. So Yeah, that's awesome. And so, so what... What is the first car that you drove on the road? <laughs> you know what? It was a little 1982 Toyota Corolla. I saved up all my hard-earned cash, and we bought that. We ended up stripping that down to bare metal, going back, painting the whole thing, doing that up. And I look back now and think, oh, that was a horrible little car. But by the same token, I'd do anything to get it back again just because I have such good memories of that little Corolla. It was a, it was a good little car, but we, we did that in the hope that we get the FJ finished. And, uh, well, let's just say I drove the Corolla longer than anticipated. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Now, I've been talking a bit about your dad, um, Rod. So he he's your business partner at Glass for Classics. So Indeed. Take, take us down the road to, I guess, inception of an idea and, and then 
you know, what you were both doing before that and then, and then how this journey's sort of come along? It was, for us, I'd, I'd gone on after high school, you know, I, I started trying to get into motor trimming. I, I, was, I really wanted to do that. Had no end of trouble trying to find sort of anybody that would take me on as an apprentice. So I moved on. I did a couple of trades in the building industry. I'm a qualified cabinet maker. Um, and look, I enjoyed that. Uh, I was good at that. Uh, but I reached a point at about sort of 24, 25 where I realized my knees and back were not going to survive the next 30 years doing this. All the guys I'd worked with had had knee reconstructions, had collapsed vertebrae and all sorts of issues. And it was at that time I was working on the EH Holden sedan that I had and I needed new glass for that. It was all scratched up and we started hunting. And at that point we realized like, damn, this is hard work trying to find um, trying to find new glass. There was really nobody doing it. Everybody that we asked said, no, it can't be done, not possible. Um, they didn't know. They didn't understand what we needed. Uh, they were going to supply something that was either not street legal or too thick or, you know. So we finally got to the point where we were able to do it and we went, you know what, let's make an extra two sets. We'll pop that on eBay. That'll pay for my set. Next thing you know, I get someone message, oh, look, can you do an FJ Holden? Can you do an LJ Tirana? Can you do this? Can you do that? And we sort of realized, you know what? There really is nobody specializing in the classics. Um, and th we realized that there was a need in the industry. So I went on. I did it for a couple of years, or probably 12, 18 months, actually, um, sort of doing glass for classics part-time and my cabinet making part-time. And we reached a point where we had to make the executive call and go, we either focus our whole efforts on business or I walk away and I continue doing what I'm doing. And for me, that wasn't an option long-term, continuing what I was doing because I was already in pain and decided that wasn't an option. So dad being you know, the loving father that he is and everything else, he went, well, if you're going to do this, I'm going to jump in and do this with you. So he, he backed me 100% and we grew the business slowly. We, we made a decision to be very cautious um, with how we did everything. We didn't simply throw money at everything in the hope that it would work because we've seen businesses come and go where they throw everything they've got and think that that's going to make it work. But you've got to build a reputation. You've got to build um, faith in people that your knowledge is 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 good that you do know what you're talking about and that you can supply a quality product so it took a while but um here we are sort of eight nine years later and yeah never look back long days late nights and you're sort of away from your family a bit doing it but yeah he dad left the bank i left my job and here we are today so yeah that, that's busy. pretty cool to be able to, to be able to share that journey together is a, a cool thing to do today yeah, you, look, you have your moments together sometimes. Um, you, you, you're both males. You're a father and son team. And 99% of the time, it's terrific. You've you got that 1% where you clash heads. You've all seen American Chopper in the past. So it doesn't get that bad. But you have your moments. But you know what? I wouldn't want to be doing it with anybody else. So, yeah. And and does mum do the bookwork? Like, is it a proper family affair kind of thing? Or how do you... No. 
No, it's it's the two of us. So dad tends to deal with the back end of the business. He does all the bookkeeping and, and everything else. So I'm more front end because I'm the one with the knowledge. We, you know, we'll be out at trade shows and swap meets and bits and pieces and everyone will naturally gravitate to dad because he's the one with the gray hair. So everyone assumes that <laughs> he's going to have the knowledge and he'll sit there going, you know what, Nathan's the man you got to speak to. You're just going to have to <laughs> have a chat to him about that one. So I stick with all the sales front end over the phone doing everything um, because... I've taken the time to listen. I got a lot. I mean, a lot of the guys listening, they'll understand. There are there are. There's an older generation out there that want to talk. They want to. They want to teach somebody. They want somebody to listen. And I've made a point of doing that over the years. I've been the one that's listened and absorbed what they've said. And you know, I've learned a lot from it because once that generation is gone, once they've moved on, there's no one left to teach me. So I've listened to that. I've, I've absorbed a lot, but Dad hasn't got the knowledge that I do. So he he does. He sticks with the back end of the business. I keep my wife sort of. She comes in and helps a little bit, but not not a great deal. And then we keep Mum and my sister sort of. They do their thing. We do our thing with the business. So yeah. No, that's good. Um, so the first car you did glass on. You saying it was a, a HR? It was an EH Holden, actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, yep, did all the side glass for that. That was literally what started us off because I only had original glass for the EH sedan and the FJ Ute. So we went, well, maybe we make a set of side glass for an FJ Ute as well and see how that goes. So we literally, we rocked up to our first swap meet at Carrara on the Gold Coast. We had some business cards printed with Vista Print. All it had was a picture of my EH on it and it had glass for your early Holdens. And that was at that time, that's all I wanted to do was stick to some glass for early Holdens. And at that point, I think two hours into that swap meet, we realized, heck, I can't stick to just early Holdens because the Chevy boys, the Ford boys, the Chrysler boys, everyone was asking, going, can you do this? Can you do that? So, but it took a long time. We had to source templates. We had to source patterns. Um, but we started with those two sets and here we are all these years later. So, Yeah, that's great. And, and so your templates ideally are coming from original glass and then yeah. worst case if someone needs something custom they, they're sort of making you up a um a template or something like that is that how it works they are look we prefer to work from originals and we sort of scour the swap meets hunting for originals too um we actually in the u.s there was a company in the early 1920s oh sorry early to late 1920s that for the aftermarket industry or the crash industry in the US, they were creating basically blueprints for all the glass so that if the car had been in an accident, they could make the glass. Um, now, these guys had to sign up a subscription every year. It cost them the best part of $180 which uh, annually, which you know in the early 1930s and 40s in particular was actually a substantial amount of money. But these patterns were, they were printed onto a cardboard uh, a large sheet of cardboard has a blueprint on. They're all coded. Um, and we were fortunate enough to track down an almost complete set, which basically covered from the Model T Ford through till the 1960s in about 2013. And I contacted this guy in California and said, mate, you know, ha have these sold? Because he'd put a post up on one of the um, the ham forums about, three years earlier had one or two responses and i i sort of came across it so i shot him a quick email he fortunately had his email there and i got an email back the following day saying yeah look we've still got all these original templates but i mean you're on the other side of the world we're here in california in madeira 
which is sort of halfway between San Francisco and Los Angeles, um, up near Yosemite. And we said, well, if we come over and pack these things up, are you prepared to sell them to us? And you sort of emailed back another short email. Yeah, look, we'll happy to do that. But again, we're on the other side of the world. And I think it was five weeks later, we're on a plane flying to California and um, loading up the best part of nearly three and a half, four thousand original templates, which is, again, what we've still got to this day and got us, yeah, as I said, almost every glass pattern from the Model T forward through to the 1960s when things sort of started to go more curved glass. So we've now got nearly 6,000 of those templates plus all the original glass that we've been tracking down and sourcing over the years. So we've got six, seven, eight thousand original pieces of glass as well as templates for the glass here. So, no, that's amazing. So, um, yeah, you can't. You could never find those pieces of glass, especially here. So that's, no. that's pretty cool. It, it's amazing how I think Americans just, they're so uh, internal, like they, they're so, America's the, the most important place in the world. But the idea yep. that someone would fly from Australia to come and just get something, it, it really blows them away, doesn't it? He, he was basically gobsmacked and we actually rocked up he said to us he said i really did not think when you said you'd book plane tickets i really did not think you would show up he said i just i can't understand it those templates had been sitting because his father owned a panel shop in from pre-war so i think he said about 1941 and they closed that panel shop down in about 1985 but his father in starting that panel shop ordered the entire catalogue of the, the, the templates that he needed. And he said, you know, we used them really heavily up until the 1980s, but he said Americans just don't want to work. He said, I can't physically pay, find somebody to pay to pull that template out, put the piece of glass on it, because the Yanks all use laminated glass. We're not a big fan of it in the sides because of a vehicle in the rear because it's just not very long-lasting. Um, but they would literally pull out this cardboard template, put the piece of laminated glass on, score both sides and then break the glass away and basically finish your edge work and you had a window. But he said to us, he said, mate, these templates have been sitting since the early 80s untouched. Um, you could have planted seeds in the dust that were on them. But he said, I can't find staff here in America to physically take that template and cut the glass out. They can't be bothered. He said, the Americans that we've got, he said, no one wants to work. So that's why they hadn't been used in 35 years. So... Yeah, oh, well, that's fortunate for you, and it's fortunate for us in Australia that you know that if we've got that quite unusual American vehicle that we've imported, that the odds are that you've got the template and you've got the glass, mate. That's it, because a lot of guys are buying projects. I mean, you're buying a project car that's missing a lot of stuff, so they're not now having to go, oh crap, I've got to make a template or I've got to figure out how to do this. They just phone me up and go, look, you know what, Nathan, I got a 1942 Studebaker. I need a left rear door and a left front vent window. Job done. I pull out the templates. We put it into production. So they're not they're no longer having to muck around making the templates and hope that they've got it accurate. So Yeah, because I mean they send you a template that's that's a couple of mil off and then you make the glass. You can't go and yep. trim it down again, can you? That's yeah. exactly it. Yep. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, what what have you got parked in the garage right now? Do you have a, a classic in the garage we do we've we've still got the, the fj still sitting there in epoxy primer to one side we've got the eh i foolishly tore apart 
I got it completely finished. It's got a small block Chev and everything. I got it completely finished. I enjoyed driving that for probably 12, 18 months. And I suppose as a young bloke, 18, 19, I had a couple of little nitpickers. Oh, I don't like that. You shouldn't have done that. And that's that paint's not perfect. And I foolishly tore it apart to put a new motor in and thought I'll respray the whole car. And here we are eight years later and I literally haven't pulled the car cover off at once. It's sitting in epoxy primer too, but we've got a little Morris Mini that we're now trying to tackle because it's a smaller project, probably doesn't need quite as much as far as the funds go because I've got to be sensible. I've got a nine-month-old baby at home and a business to run, so we're not pouring money into projects. So we've got those three. It'll be nice to finish one of them one of these days, but see how we go. Nothing on the road and drivable yet though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not unusual for someone in the industry to not have their own vehicle sort of on the road, is it? Uh, it's like the chippy's house that's never finished or the mechanic's car that never runs right. So got to get everyone else's done first. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so we're obviously a, a bit of a pickup um, orientated uh, podcast. Mm. So yep. if, if, well, I'll take me for instance because I'm about to become one of your customers fairly soon. So I've I've got a 1950 um, Aussie Chev truck. Now yep. you've got not only do you have all the glass that I need, but I believe you can supply all the rubbers and runners and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, yep. We're we're again, it's one of these things. There's a lot of guys out there, and social media is a killer because there's all these so-called experts that'll be telling you this, that, and the other, and this fits and that fits, and it's taken us a lot of time to hunt down original parts, source original rubbers, you know, bits and pieces, and learn the difference between the Australian-built Chevy truck, for example, and the American-built, because they are very similar in appearance. But it was it's, it's a case of understanding that we made things differently out here, and the American stuff, for the most part, will not fit that. So... Uh, we've had more than one customer's gone and blown two thousand dollars on a full rubber kit and all sorts of trim and everything else for their for their Aussie truck, bought it out of America and then realised, well, hey, nothing actually fits, um, and they've done themselves out of their hard-earned cash, so they've then got to start again. So it, uh, yeah, there, there's substantial differences. Yeah, and and you you cover off, you know. Obviously, all all the big obvious ones like you know your your Fords and your Chevs. Um, if right, I need yeah. a glass for a for a forty seven Studebaker pickup, would that be something you'd have? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yep. You name it. We basically have the templates here for it. So we'll try and do Bailey channels and rubbers where possible. But sometimes it's not possible to keep everything because there's such vast amounts. But if we don't have it, we'll always try and point the customer in the direction of where they might be able to source what they need. So. Yeah, and so if one of our listeners is doing something a little bit left of field, say they're doing a, a comma truck or, or mm-hmm. something that's not your, your everyday thing and they're looking for you know side channels and rubbers, is it probably worth them getting in contact with you a bit earlier than what they need just in case stuff yeah. needs to be sourced or, or they need to go elsewhere? Definitely try and get in contact earlier. Look, there's a vast majority of the guys are now leaving the patina and ratting them, so we don't have anywhere near the number of guys that are you know stripping these things back and going you know the whole hog um so it's not as much of a drama at that point but we usually need to try and suggest you get your bailey channels and everything if you are painting the trucks and you are going the whole the whole the whole way 
um, get the Bailey channels and be testing your glass and the like beforehand because you're going to find, particularly with a lot of the English stuff, um, it is almost impossible to source things like your Bailey channels. So your commas, for example, that was a brilliant one. Some of the early Austins, you can't get a lot of your things like Bailey channels. So a lot of the guys will be pulling those, pulling the vent windows out and just going with a one-piece door glass. So we've got the Bailey channels and the weather strips, etc., to allow basically changing to a one-piece door window, uh, but still keeping it look more or less factory so it doesn't look like they've sort of pieced things together it will actually look like it was meant to be like that and we can then make the glass accordingly so it's definitely better to hit us ahead of time and not leave us to the last minute because we do get a lot of that and sometimes they've sort of passed the point of no return and it makes it a little bit harder so yeah yeah and on your website you've got a you've got a really good tips and text section where you've got you've got some videos and you've got rules and regulations and some technical manuals and, and that's a great place for people to go and have a bit of a look at, you know, what they need to think about. Yeah, look, we're, we're trying to constantly come up with content, new videos, because look, I'll be the first to admit there's a lot of guys that are visual. I can explain them something over the phone, spend 15 minutes explaining how to do something and it's gone in one ear and out the other because they're a visual learner. So we've got to the point now where we're trying to get through a lot of videos, teaching them how to bend the Bailey channels, how to uh, make the templates for their door windows, how to fit the runners to the glass, things that are reasonably simple, but unless you've actually had someone take the time to show you, it may not make sense. Um, so we are trying to get as much content up as we can. The website has fallen a bit behind, but we are trying to get as much content up as possible to help people. Yeah, that's great. One of the first things I saw uh, when I when I came across you guys was you've got a video on on how to do the quarter window for the Chevy pickup trucks, hmm. and and it's so thorough it's 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 great. Now if if someone really just doesn't that's just not their bag they can't tackle that can they just send their old one in and you you will do the whole thing for them? Yeah yeah look we we got a lot of guys do that. Um, the one thing we just sort of hit them up and just say in advance is we're not going to sort out chroming. Um, if, if they would like chroming to get redone, we'll either send the frames back once we've stripped it all down or they can. a lot of guys will get everything chromed up and send it to us ready to assemble. So, And look, that's a, it's actually not very expensive for us to do that. Because we do it so much, we're quite quick at it um, and you're just, you're just paying for time essentially. So I can normally knock out a set of vent windows fully assembled in an hour or so. Um, so it's not so bad. At least you know it's done right. You don't need to stress about it. Um, so it, it is certainly an option. Yeah, that's great. And and if I've got, let's just say I've got a 1950 American Chevy pickup truck, hmm. are you are you still the guy I call for that, or do I go and talk to you know uh, classic pickup supplies up in Pullman Beach, or or do you both carry the stock, or how does that work? What I'll often do is things like your rubbers. I I will normally push people towards the likes of classic pickup supplies. So if you've got your Chevy truck from the US, I don't keep a lot of things like your vent window rubbers and the like. Um, that is where Robin and, and the team up there are generally the place to go to. Uh, I will have Bailey channels because fortunately things like Bailey channels, they're reasonably interchangeable. So I, I keep 2.4 meter lengths, which will do most most vehicles. Um, but same deal with uh, a lot of the um, um, some of your Ford parts and early Mercury's and that you know a lot of the Ford trucks 
I, I use a combination of classic pickup supplies and the rubber connection. Heather and Jeff down at the rubber connection. They're a terrific husband and wife duo. Um, most guys in the industry will know the two of them and they are both family-run businesses. So you can trust them. The product that they supply between the two of them is always top-notch. You know you're always going to get get a good product. So Yeah, that's awesome. Hmm. Cool, that's good. Yeah, well, I've got my Chevron, and and then the other project I'm doing for a customer here at the moment is a um, a dual cab international truck, which is about a 1977 model. So ah, we'll be like chasing the uh, or the D5 sort of ones. Yeah, it's a D1440, I think. Big one. Yep. Yeah, yep. So we're taking that cab, and it's actually it's going onto a smaller international chassis, and then it's going to have all um, Commodore running gear with the yep. uh, LS engine, so um, quite a drivable, uh, classic-looking Dodge. So that that's a fun project. But yeah, I think he's looking looking at all new glass and rubbers for that. So uh, yeah, that'll be cool. it's good to know. Definitely, definitely. No, we've done a fair bit with those, and particularly those dual cabs for for that year. Inter, there's there must have been three or four different coach builders um, building these at the time. We've had a couple of guys that have had ones for the New South Wales New South Wales Railways, for example. So they must have ordered a handful of them. But the rear doors and the way they sort of cut and shut the cabs together have been different to the way you know some of the other companies have done it i've seen at least three or four different variations of it so it is cool to see that they're still around and given that they were essentially coach built of special order items and they chopped the cabs up so good to see them still around yeah yeah this is this is a, actually it's really clean there's there's only a couple of pinholes of rust in it and it came off mm. a um a, a tobacco farm locally to where we are so um no it's, yeah. a, it's a nice truck so right now if if you weren't time poor, uh, raising a toddler and um, trying to run a small business, what what would you be looking to park in your shed? Do you have a, a dream car that, or truck, or or what what would be the ideal vehicle for you? I actually it was interesting. I was watching with my wife the other night Wheeler Dealers where they they went off to the US and bought a bunch of American cars to come back and sort of turn a turn around and flip and in the UK and. One of the ones that they did was a 54 five-window pickup. Um, I, I would love to get any of that sort of early 48 through to 54 early pickup, just something that is comfortable. I can still put some stuff in the back if I need to. You know, the, It would be awesome to get something like that. Um, but then by the same token, I think, you know, as Bubs gets a bit older, <laughs> we can't really all fit in there uh, quite so comfortably. So... Look, you know, it'd be nice to finish one of the cars, any of them, even the FJ, to be honest. If we could finish the FJ, it's more or less the same thing. I've got a ute. I can have turnkey reliability, still put some stuff in the back, you know, for the business or go for a picnic with the family later. So what, I think the ute, I'd like to get the FJ ute done, but dream car would be, you know, a 48 to 54 Chevy truck. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm cutting. So I got a guy in America found on Facebook who had an old five-window cab that was beyond repair. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I sort of sometimes, I don't think there's such a thing anymore with all the panels that are around, but when they're yeah. laying around everywhere like they are over there. So I, I actually got him to cut the the five-window corners, the, the two window corners yeah, out of the yeah. five-window cab. I shipped them back here. So I'm actually putting those into my Australian cab. Cool. I like that. So I gotta, You're going to confuse yeah, so the hell out of people with that one. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I right, like right it. hand drive five windows. So I, I'd seen it done once before and they'd used, I think they were like a Range Rover corner or yep. if not, they... Even the FJ40 were, Toyota ones. Yeah, and the Bedford truck looks kind of similar, but they're not, they're just quite, not quite the right thing. And, and when you've got an eye that sees detail, for me, it was like, oh, no, it's not going to work. But um, so when I buy glass from you for my truck, do yes. I have tinting options? You do, you do. So particularly with the, the, the flat stuff, essentially, um, and we do it for all the same price. So you've got your clear, your, your green tint. So I always refer to that as the light Coke bottle sort of green tint. Everyone remembers that green of the Coke bottles. That was sort of, oh, heck, in the 50s and 60s, that was the bee's knees if you had a bit of green in that. Or we've also got the grey. So the grey is 30% uh, tint. So it's it's street legal in every street, uh, every state and territory in Australia. So you get the three options there. And then with the anything that's got visible edge work, um, we've then got either a really high gloss polished sort of shiny finish, which a lot of the guys with the showy sort of trucks like, or you've got a more traditional original satin sort of edge work on the exposed edges. So on your wind up windows or the front edge of your vent window, it's all the same price. You you basically just get to choose what you like depending on the look of the car that you're trying to achieve. So or truck. Yeah, awesome. So if if I if I choose to have a thirty percent tint on all my windows, mm. um, then I obviously I need to buy the curved glass for the for the corner windows. Mm -hmm. Does that come in a thirty percent tint? What we find is, and I don't understand why, but a lot of the grey glass that comes out of the US, it's got an almost sort of copperish hue to it. So it's not a very distinct grey like we have here in Australia. So what I actually usually recommend doing is if you actually just take your clear back windows down to the normal tinter and say, look, guys, I need a 30% tint on it, it will actually match perfectly. We get a lot of guys with early Holdens, for example, like your FXFJ Holden, where all the sides are the flat that we do in the grey. That way they don't need to worry about a tint getting scuffed or scratched as they wind windows up or, you know, if they're going patina, that way it's not rattling around in the door and getting scratched. But then they can actually tint the back window, which is not available in a grey, for example, which has a curve in it, and it matches beautifully. That's why we stick to that 30%. There are different shades, but it can be difficult to match otherwise. So by keeping just the one variation of the grey, even if you've got to do that to your back windows, you're going to get the same color all the way around and you're not going to get this mismatch of colors uh, on the truck as it goes around. Perfect. That's exactly what I'll do. Hmm. Now, I always say to guys too, you've got to remember with the gray glass, the gray glass is not like the aftermarket tint in that it doesn't block the ultraviolet light and, and everything coming in like a stick-on tint does. you purely got a colored glass. So... A lot of guys go, I want the grader, you know, try and protect the interior. It's not going to do that. It's probably going to, you know, it, it's purely for aesthetics. You're not going to block it like the, the film that they stick on the on the glass with an aftermarket stick on tint. So. Yeah, yeah. So if someone, if someone wants that sort of protection, they're better to get it clear and get it tinted. Pretty much, pretty much. I've actually seen a, a couple of the tint shops now have been going with and what I've had a couple of guys been I've recommended to is they get the grey glass um, but you can get a clear film now so it's it goes onto the glass and it's blocking the actual uh, ultraviolet light coming through so they're, they're basically applying a clear tint to the grey glass that way if it gets scratched 
in the doors because, again, a lot of them are patina trucks, so they don't want all the chrome weather strips and everything else on it. That way, if it gets scuffed, if you've got clear glass with a grey aftermarket film, you're going to get white lines show up in your tint where the, the light, if you've got a scratch, whereas if you've got the grey glass and the clear film on the inside gets a light scuff mark, you're never going to see the difference and it's not going to stand out. So I usually recommend doing it sort of counterintuitively, grey glass, clear film. That way, if you do scratch it, you don't see it. So Awesome. That's great information. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, Nathan, um, if people want to check your stuff out, you've got a website, glassforclassics.com.au. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're on Instagram, glass, is it dot four dot classics? It is, yeah, glass.4.classics. I'll be honest, I'm pretty lousy with that one. I've got I to really work on my Instagram. I sort of, I work on Facebook a little more often. Um, so if you're even on Facebook, just jump on glass four and it's the actual number four. So glass four classics uh, will we'll come up there as well. We're trying to get content up on our YouTube channel and for all the videos for the guys that want to, you know, sit back in the shed on a Friday night and figure out how to do that job. The videos are, we're slowly putting more of the videos up on YouTube and I'll try and share them to Facebook and Instagram as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And um, is, is there a unicorn piece of glass that you still haven't found that you're looking for to get a template off? <laughs> it's all the curved stuff that's a unicorn because it's so difficult to produce. Curved glass in Australia is borderline almost impossible to produce for certain pieces. So where uh, it is very hard. So th- there's a lot of flat glass that I would love to get my hands on, but particularly for me, if there's one make and model that I'd be desperate to get my hands on, it's original glass out of 32, 33, 34 Ford glass because whoever had my templates before he sold off those 32 33 and 34 ford patterns and left me with everything else so i'd be desperate to get my hands on them because everybody's missing the glass by the time they get to us with those so that's my unicorn right there yeah okay listeners if you if you have some give nathan a call and um and he's very interested. So, Indeed. mate, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you, you've got a busy schedule going on at the moment. Ha, has business picked up because everyone's stuck at home now, so they're doing some work on it the project? <laughs> it, it actually has. It's, I think, as I said to Rod the other day, I think what it's basically done is it's fast-tracked possibly the next six or 12 months worth of sales for things. So we are, I, without exaggerating, I haven't done less than a 12-hour day now in a month, and we've been doing up to 16-hour days just to, to make sure we stay on top of everything and get everything done. Um, but I think everyone's just had a chance to, instead of working, you know, a day over the weekend and then doing something with the kids or whatever, they're getting in five or six days solid work time um, now that they're sort of sitting at home for the large part of it. And they're just making progress so much faster than a lot of any of them anticipated. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're flat out. I'm not complaining. I don't know how we'll go moving forward, whether or not you know, everyone's going to go back to work and, you know, we'll go back to normal. But for now, long days, hard work, but we're getting there and glad everyone's able to keep working. Yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. And, and hopefully uh, once we come out of this and, and we get out to a few shows, there'll be a, a lot of new builds that we can check out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We are missing that, but it's all for a good reason. So Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Nathan, thank you very much, mate. We, we appreciate your advice and, and I know that there are a lot of people listening that, that are building something at the moment and they probably have some glass they need. So um, Nathan's our one-stop shop uh, up at Glasgow Classics in Naran, Queensland. Thanks, mate. You're a good man. Thank you. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.